It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Janice Dean. I'm David Asman. I'm Dana Perino, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Wednesday, May 18th, 2022. I'm John Saucier. Have you heard about the chip choke? The United States, along with other Western powers, aren't selling microchips to Russia, and this is causing some problems for their military. Right now, I think you'd very much rather be in Ukraine's place militarily. And when it comes to the economic and technological competition, I think there's no doubt that Russia's in a really dire place. This is the Fox News Rundown, War on Ukraine. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on Outkick.com forward slash watch. The American sanctions against Russia include a key piece of equipment, microchips. This blockade prevents any chips developed with American technology from being sold in Russia. These ships are used in military equipment, and now the Russian military is being forced to improvise. The U.S. and its allies control the production of all the world's most advanced microchips. It's the U.S., Europe, South Korea, Taiwan, Japan, and they've all banded together to prohibit the sale of any advanced microchips to Russia. We're speaking today with Chris Miller, an economic historian and author of a book coming out soon, Chip War, the fight for the world's most critical technology. The problem Russia's face is they can't produce any at home. So what they've been doing, according to U.S. intelligence, is trying desperately to find other sources of chips for their uh, munitions. And if you think of a typical guided munition today, like the Javelin missiles the U.S. is giving to Ukraine to blow up Russian tanks, these have 200 semiconductors in them. So uh, really packed with advanced microelectronics. And the Russians have been uh, taking apart uh, dishwashers and washing machines, trying to repurpose the chips in those devices uh, for their weapon systems. Does that actually work, though? I mean, I can't imagine a chip that comes out of a dishwasher being repurposed to go into a missile. Like, there's got to be some sort of problems when that happens, because obviously these chips aren't designed to go into weaponry. Well, there's a bunch of different types of chips, some simple, some complicated, that go in a a specific weapon system. And the Russians have a really long history of trying to make do with mediocre technology that they've smuggled in from other countries. So they've got some experience with this. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. That certainly produces huge problems for the Russians. And you know, we've seen uh, the Pentagon estimating that uh, at least 20% of Russian missiles that have been launched have either malfunctioned or missed their targets. And that's partly due to the fact that the Russians just don't have the microelectronics space. They don't have the semiconductor production to make advanced weaponry today. Okay, so if Russia doesn't have this advanced weaponry so they can put missiles on target where they want to go, what types of things on the battlefield has Russia been doing to compensate for that, shifting their strategy in this war in Ukraine? Well, that's the issue the Russians face, is that they've been struggling to shift their strategy. We've seen them in the Donbass the past couple of weeks uh, turn much more intensively towards uh, just artillery barrages and attrition, trying to uh, beat down the Ukrainians by massing firepower against them. But if you can't hit your target, uh, then it doesn't matter how many rounds that you fire. Uh, we've also seen the Russians dropping from the air plenty of dumb bombs that are not guided. Uh, but here, too, the problem is, can you get them on target? And part of the reason the Russians have struggled is because uh, the Ukrainians are now fielding some of the more advanced systems that the U.S. and U.K. and other countries have given them, whereas Russia's fighting with less capable equipment. So in this instance, it feels like the 
strategy of the Americans, which is putting sanctions economically on Russia, something like this chip ban, but also providing military aid to Ukraine in the form of advanced weapons like the Javelin missile that you mentioned is actually working to the favor of Ukraine. That's right. It certainly tipped the tables against Russia and towards Ukraine. Uh, it's something we should have done years ago, but I think the Biden administration has finally caught up and uh, implemented the right policies. The question, I think, for the Ukrainians is, is it enough to overcome the fact that the Russians still have a pretty substantial advantage in terms of their military being far larger than the Ukrainians? And in terms of the fact that the Russians managed to occupy some Ukrainian territory early in the war, it'll be tough for the Ukrainians to dislodge them. But there's no doubt that the tech sanctions on Russia, plus the uh, transfer of advanced military equipment to Ukraine has uh, made the fight a, a lot more, um, a lot less unfair to Ukraine as it was at the start of the war. Well, most recently, one of those areas that Russia has been able to take over after a long and terrible fight is the port city of Mariupol. Another one that Russia is going after right now is Odessa. And people probably don't realize this, and I didn't until I read information provided by your people, that these two port cities had the companies in Ukraine, which produce about half of the world's semiconductor grade neon so if Russia is in control of these areas and or has even destroyed these factories or these companies, that could be a problem. Can you talk about why this neon, which is produced in Ukraine, what's it used for and why is it so important? If you want to make an advanced semiconductor today, it takes around 2000 different process steps. And each of those steps involves complicated chemicals or gases, uh, which are produced in many different countries. And neon, as you mentioned, is largely produced uh, in Ukraine, or at least it used to be before the war. And so as long as the neon producing factories in Ukraine are offline, and the one that was based in Mariupol is likely to be offline for a very long time, unfortunately, this creates problems in the global neon market. since there are only a small number of suppliers of this crucial chemical. Now, the, the good news is that we've dealt with this before, because in 2014, uh, when the Russians first invaded uh, Ukraine, neon production was also knocked offline temporarily. And so at that point, semiconductor manufacturers realized the risk and began stockpiling uh, and devising backup plans in case Ukrainian neon production was knocked offline again. So we haven't seen any disruptions to chip production thus far uh, due to the uh, loss of Ukrainian neon. But the longer the war lasts and it becomes impossible to bring neon production back online, this could create additional uh, causes of chip shortages. So really, the attrition not only happening on the battlefield, but also happening in the war of production, which is kind of an important thing going on, especially when it comes to this technology here. Our guest today, Chris Miller, an economic historian, author of a book coming out in October, Chip War, the fight for the world's most critical technology. So if economics is your area, one of your areas of expertise here, Chris, I want to talk about Russia's economy. Here in the United States, we have a chip shortage also, and this is driving up prices of cars, appliances, really everything that's going on. You throw in the supply chain issues there, and that's a problem. But imagine being in Russia where you can't get chips made with American technology, as you mentioned earlier in our conversation. What is not only this chip shortage doing to the Russian economy, but how is that those effects translating into problems, more problems for the Russian military, hence a prolonged war in Ukraine? It, it, it really is hugely damaging to the entire Russian manufacturing sector and the industrial base. It's hard to get great information about military production in Russia because they keep it mostly secret, but we can infer what's going on in Russian defense production by looking at 
civilian manufacturing. So if you take civilian car making, for example, uh, there's only one or two car factories in Russia that are still operating because all the rest have shut down because they can't get component parts. And I think roughly something similar is happening to the production of Russian military trucks and tanks and other systems. They've relied in the past on components sourced from abroad. And what we've seen over the past two months is because of sanctions, because of export controls, Russia is now buying only about 30% of what it used to be able to buy from abroad. And this is true of things bought from Germany, from the US, from Japan, but also from China, which has really slashed its imports to Russia too. So if you're trying to make any sort of complex manufacturing equipment, and basically all military equipment is complex manufacturing equipment, uh, you're going to struggle right now to get the components that you need. That's true for semiconductors. It's true for a whole different array uh, of component parts, which is why we've seen some rumors, uh, not, not fully confirmed, but I think uh, they certainly check out it, that across the Russian military industrial complex, factories are facing delays, shortages, because they can't get the components that they need. We're speaking today with Chris Miller, an economic historian and author of a book coming out soon, Chip War, The Fight for the World's Most Critical Technology. We'll have much more coming up after this. So really, this battle of attrition runs on both sides. You have the Americans and the Western powers, which are trying to squeeze Russia with the sanctions and not allowing these critical components to be sold in the country. And then you have Russia with their direct battle of attrition on Ukraine, which is now conducting this lengthy war, trying to outlast the Ukrainians. But at the same time, they've got their own production problems within their country, not only with weaponry components, but also with just stuff in general that takes semiconductor cars and whatnot. The question really, Chris, becomes which side can last longer? And you mentioned China, too, how they factor into all this. Luckily for the Western powers in Ukraine, China has mostly stayed out of this, although there is some word that China may try to align itself with Russia. Which side in your mind is going to last longer? The Western powers with the sanctions or Russia with their attrition on the battlefield? Well, right now, Russia's attrition on the battlefield doesn't seem to be working very well. And although we don't have great data on Ukrainian losses, it seems like Russia's probably taken more losses than Ukraine has on the battlefield. So attrition, even on the battlefield, is not working in Russia's favor. Now, maybe that'll change going forward. But right now, I think you'd very much rather be in Ukraine's place militarily. And when it comes to the economic and technological competition, I think there's no doubt that Russia's in a really dire place. They're only real friends on the global stage are the Chinese, but the Chinese have been hedging their bets. They've been supporting Russia rhetorically, but in reality, they don't want to get on the wrong side of U.S. sanctions because their companies don't want to get cut off from U.S. technology either. And so they've largely been uh, abiding by U.S. sanctions, even when they complain about them. And that it's bad news for Russia because China is really Russia's only other source for certain technologies. And if even China's not supplying for them, they've got no other, no other place to turn. Your book is called Chip War, the fight for the world's most critical technology. I'm sure there's a lot of really cool stuff in there. Again, it comes out in October. But I want to know what have we learned in this war with Russia and Ukraine as far as not only how technology plays a factor, but maybe things going forward that we can get better on as far as it pertains to technology, specifically these semiconductor chips and how they're used in weaponry. Well, I think that the big takeaway is that we've underestimated the extent to which 
everything we rely on in turn relies on ships. And so when you look at U.S. defense companies trying to ramp up their production of certain missile systems, for example, uh, to supply the Ukrainians, uh, they've run into issues sourcing microprocessors themselves, getting the semiconductors that they need. Uh, and so we need to be investing more in our own semiconductor supply chains to make sure we've got the production capacity that we need in the case of future military crises like the one that uh, Russia has created by its attack on Ukraine. Yeah, and here in the United States, we're trying to manufacture some semiconductors, but we get a lot of them from Taiwan. And so you talk about the China-Taiwan conflict. It really is kind of highlighted, highlighted a lot more by what's going on here with not only this chip shortage, but the fact that we're using some of these semiconductors in weapons like you were just talking about. It's really fascinating stuff. Can't wait to read your book. Uh, congratulations. And also, thank you so much for your insight and for joining us on the Fox News Rundown War on Ukraine podcast. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.